0: Hello again, podcast listeners. This is the newest educational podcast, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and all educators of Georgia. I am your host, Jim Finch, and I am the principal of Mary Persons High School located in Forsyth, Georgia. If you'll remember, our mission and vision of this project is to interview high school principals across our state for the sake of professional learning. Thanks again for listening to the Georgia High School Principals Podcast. And feel free to use the preferred format, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, or on Podbean. And don't forget to listen, like, and share. Today's podcast is Season 1, Episode 10. And we're back on our normal series of interviews with current or sitting principals. Today's guest for Episode 10 is none other than Mr. Ryan Meeks. He is the principal of Union Grove High School, located in McDonough, Georgia. Union Grove High School is in the Henry County School System, located just south of Atlanta. How are you today, Mr. Meeks? Doing very well,
1: Jim. I appreciate you having me.
0: Yes, sir, and thank you for coming online with us today and taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, with all of our candidates, we'd like to go over a couple of items before we get into the questions today. And uh, so, Mr. Meeks, just tell us a little bit about your educational resume and your background.
1: So, um, I first got into uh, into education through through athletics. I, uh, I played sports growing up, um, baseball and football. I uh, was fortunate to have the opportunity to play a little baseball in college. So, so when I got out of college, I uh, had a degree in physical education and uh, wanted to become a coach uh, and a teacher. Uh, so that was a that was an aspiration that I that I had had. Um, so I would say that it's athletics that, that brought me into, uh, into education. Um, started as a, as a coach and a, and a teacher at, uh, in Spalding County, um, Spalding High School, when Spalding High School first opened in 2000. Um, uh, the thing about having a, a physical education degree uh, is that those jobs can, can certainly be hard to come by. Um, so I went to, uh, went back to Mercer and got my certification in, uh, in social studies uh, and taught history. Um, so I had the opportunity to, to teach history both there uh, at Spalding and uh, and in Butts County. Um, after, uh, after a few years of, of teaching and coaching, I decided to, uh, to go into administration and got a job in Spalding County uh, at Carver Road Middle School as an assistant principal uh, and spent five years as an assistant principal there. Um, and then, uh, had the opportunity to move up to the high school level and become assistant principal at Spalding High, um, and, and decided that, um, that was, that was a role that, uh, that I really enjoyed, um, being a high school administrator, um, set my aspirations to, uh, to become a high school principal, uh, and, uh, had, uh, had the great opportunity with Henry County Schools to become the principal of, of Union Grove High School where I've been for the last five years, um. So, really enjoyed um, my time at Union Grove. It's it's been a uh, it's been a blessing to me, a blessing to my family. It's a, it's a great place to be, a great place to work. Um, and, and you know, this is my passion. This is what I love to do. So, I'm right where I'm supposed to be uh, here at uh, here at Union Grove High School.
0: Okay. So tell our uh, podcast listeners, uh, what's your why? You started in on a little bit of that, but can you expand on a little bit more on why you think you do what you do?
1: So every year when I, when I meet with our new uh, ninth graders, our, our eighth graders coming up from the middle school, I, I talk to them a little bit and uh, you know I ask them, how many of you have ever, ever heard your parents or your, your aunts and uncles or your older brothers and sisters talk about their time in high school? Um they start off stories with when I was in high school, when everybody raises their hand, uh, and I tell them that you're you're getting ready to start the best four years of your life. Uh, and I, I truly believe that. I, I think the high school experience is so important in shaping uh, the young men and women for the rest of their lives. Um, and, and I just find it uh, a great opportunity for me. To be able to provide a great experience for those kids that come through this school.
0: Okay. Uh, what about any career aspirations or next steps? Where do you where do you see yourself maybe in five years?
1: Uh, I tell you what, Jim. I, I, I'm right where I, right where I want to be. Right where I love to be. I've I've had the aspiration to be a high school principal for a long time. Um, this is the work that I love doing. This is the work that I have a passion for um so so as of right now you know i'm i'm where i'm meant to be um uh, my aspirations are to become a better high school principal each and every year and and to be the best high school principal that i can be
0: you know that's been a common answer with a lot of the guests on our episodes um so many people just assume that if you're going to be a high school principal that you automatically either want to work at the central office or maybe even as a superintendent but uh, the more people that we talk to whenever i ask that question to them That's the most common answer that we've received so far. So it's always good to hear the good work of high school principals continuing to want to to be better high school principals instead of maybe having their eye on another position somewhere else in the system. So that's always good to hear. Tell us a little bit about your family, maybe some hobbies or special interests that you might have.
1: So I have a uh, a 14-year-old son. We have uh, have one child. Uh, My wife is also a teacher. She's an elementary school teacher. Um, She has been a teacher and a coach. She teaches PE um, and and has coached uh, tennis in the past. Um, She's not coaching right now because having a teenager, running them them back and forth everywhere is is a full-time job, but uh, um, this year has been just awesome for me um, because my son is here with me at the high school. Um, And you know and and folks listening know how busy it can be um, being a high school administrator um, and, and... being able to to have my my son ride with me to work, um, and, and spend a lot of time with me here at school, and then ride home and talk about his day on the way home has is, is just been outstanding. Um, uh, it's been a great experience for us. Um, um, he's a uh, he's a great student, great kid. Um, he's a baseball player, um, so he'll be he'll be trying out for the baseball team here uh, in, in the next couple of months, but. Uh, um, it's just been a real treat being able to have him with me here at school. Um, as far as hobbies and other things, um, uh, I'm sure as you know, it's it's difficult to have a lot of hobbies uh, when you work at uh, when you work in a high school. But uh, you know, when we get some free time, we we love to go fishing, um, go up to North Georgia and, and do some trout fishing, and and you know, that's just a uh, one of the most relaxing things I can think to do, and, and it's just a, a great time when we're able to be uh, able to be together and do that.
0: Well, that's also a very popular answer, too, that most people say that their special interest and hobby is being a high school principal because it doesn't leave a lot of room for those things. <laughs> that's and, right. Um, and I can identify with you about, um, you know, your son being at high school with you there. My um, second child, who is a, who is a son, um, he's graduating this year from Mary Persons, and I have a daughter that's already graduated from Married Persons, and people ask me from time to time, you know, what, what's it like having your kid in school with you? And I said, well, it's like the old uh, take your kid to, to work day, but it's every day. And <laughs> so uh, it's, it's good that you can hang out with 1,200 teenagers or X amount of teenagers, and, and some of those teenagers actually are your own children. So you actually get to spend more time with them that way because you know the job demands that sometimes you're not spending time with them at home but at least you get to spend some time with them at school so it's uh it's always good to hear some of those same answers that we've got coming from uh, all of the guests and even my own answers are are some of that too so today's topics of conversation with ryan meeks are going to be athletics uh, master scheduling special education and as we do with all of our podcast guests some advice for aspiring leaders so we'll go ahead and get into some of the questions uh, for our episode today, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about Union, High, Union Grove High School uh, Does the school there use like a coach as an athletic director or do you use? Uh, like an administrator like an assistant principal as as an athletic director What 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 type of uh, model do you use there?
1: So we use the model where our athletic director is is a coach um, currently our athletic director is uh, Alan Franklin who's our head baseball coach um, and and that's, uh, that's the Henry County model um, and for uh, being able to use a, a coach or a teacher to, uh, to serve as the athletic director. Um, personally, I, I feel that the athletic director position is, is a full-time job. Um, the, the demands that are put on them in running our athletic programs uh, throughout the year, Um, it's it's such a full-time job I would love to see that position become an administrative position Um, we've we've had those discussions um, in Henry County Um, but uh, you know right now uh, we uh, we certainly um, work well within the framework that we have in in that uh, our athletic director is a coach which means also that he's a full-time teacher so he has full-time teaching duties he has a couple extra planning periods um, but on top of his teaching duties, he is, is responsible for our overall athletic program. Um, he does a he does a fantastic job. Um, certainly not taking anything away from him, but um, I just think if that position could be a full time or a administrative type position, there's a lot more that he would be able to accomplish um, as far as um, providing uh, the you know for our athletic program uh, throughout the school year.
0: Okay. what are the ways in which you and maybe union grove high school there uh promote healthy competition and 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 what are the ways in which your school may try to uh, demonstrate good sportsmanship
1: so we meet with our, our coaches and, and very similar to, to when you when you're you know talking to classroom teachers at the beginning of the year it's uh, it's very important for for our coaches for our athletic director to set clear expectations for, um, how the, the athletic program is, is going to operate clear expectations for the behavior, um, uh, of the student athletes. Uh, and even, uh, with parents, clear expectations, um, for, for the behavior of the parents. Um, because I am a firm believer that that teenagers are going to rise to the level of, of expectations. Um, so, if we expect them to d- demonstrate good sportsmanship, uh, if, if we expect them to uh, display character uh, on the playing and field and, and off the playing field, then that's the level that they're going to arise to. Um, I also think we, we have to hold our coaches to that standard, uh, as well as our parents. Um, we have a parent meeting uh, in, with every sport. Uh, before the meeting starts, and, and we talk with our parents about, and sometimes it can be difficult to talk with a parent about appropriate behavior in, in the stands, but I think it's important that you do that uh, and you have that conversation because the coaches and the parents can set the standard. Uh, and and if you have um, unsportsmanlike behavior from coaches and parents, then then uh, that's that serves as a model for our kids, and, and that's not what we want. Um, so, um, we set those expectations for our kids, and, and you know we we demand um, uh, that they show good sportsmanship, that they um, do certain things on the field in order to be a part of the team. And, and we've had very good success um, with with sportsmanship here at Union Grove. We, um, you know, a couple of years ago, the the Positive Athlete Georgia Association named us the the most positive high school in Georgia. Um, uh, just this past year, we were the, one the sportsmanship award for for region. Uh, region Five, so um, we, we've had good success with that. Um, another thing that we do um, specifically with our larger sports, football and basketball, is we have uh, expectation meeting with with our students, our student section, uh, and we designate leaders for our student section for those games. Because um, you know, in football, you know, you're talking two, three, four hundred kids that are that are there watching a football game, um, and, and I think it's important to to let them know the expectations of how they are um, should behave in the stands during a during a football or a basketball game. Um, that works out real well for us because you know if something starts happening in the in the stands that, that shouldn't be, you know, I can just look at those leaders um, that are typically sitting down in the front row, and and you know they'll they'll take care of it right away. So uh, I guess to to sum up my answer to that question is it's, it's expectations and. And communicating those expectations prior to uh, prior to the season.
0: How do you think those extracurricular activities at Union Grove fit into your overall school culture?
1: Um, uh, athletics are, are a huge part of the school culture. Um, it's uh, you know it's it's part of the the high school experience, and it's the the one part of the high school experience that. Um, the the students can really get involved in um, can can because you know you've got athletics. Let's take football for instance, or basketball since this basketball season. Um, you've got the players that are involved, uh, and then you've got uh, cheerleaders that that um, that come and put in the work and and come to the games and and cheer on the team and and help the fans. Uh, during the game. Then you've got the students that come to the student section. Then you've got the parents and the community members that, that come to the game. So, athletics is really the time where everybody in the school community can come together. Uh, and, and, you know, we're all cheering for the same team. We're all on the same side. So, um, I, I just think it's a, a, a important piece of of building a positive school culture. and. You know, some seasons, some seasons you win, um, and, and you have a good season. And when you do that, you have more community support. You have more students coming to the game. Uh, and some some seasons you don't. You know, you don't do so well. Um, and I think those seasons are just as important to to bring the community together and let the kids know that hey, we're going to support you. You know, if you're having a great season or if you're having a not so great season. But uh, it's it's great to see the the community support from from the students, from the parents, from community members, uh, when they all come out to, to support our, our athletic and our, our fine arts programs.
0: Well, that kind of segues into uh, my next question. Uh, how robust are your fine arts, and, and how well do they compare to your uh, your athletic program there?
1: We have a, we have a great fine arts program. Um, uh, we really do. It's, I'm amazed each and every year uh, at the talent uh, of, of our students. Um, our orchestra program is just phenomenal. Um, chorus and, and band are constantly um, going and performing and, and winning awards. Uh, but, but one thing that, that I love to see, I, I mentioned uh, kind of about basketball. At a basketball game, when the, the community comes in and, you know, you have the students and the cheerleaders and the players all, you know, focusing on one goal. One thing that our fine arts program does that, that I'm really proud of is, is they put on shows and, and when they put on shows, they do individual shows, but a lot of times they come in and they bring everybody all together. So um, you walk into the auditorium and you've got the art students putting their, their um, artistic skills on display there in the lobby. And then uh, you got a drama club uh, with a play with, with music in the background. Uh, from our band and orchestra, and and when they put on a show, they all work together, um, and, and that really draws in the the parents' support and the and the community support. Um, and, and you know the the kids really feel that when they put on a show, and and they have a big audience, and and people come in and cheering for them. Um, that's uh, I just think that's a great thing for all of our kids
0: okay let's um shift a little bit of gears here uh but still inside athletics um you know most recently uh the reclassification committee at the ghsa has um has published the um classification assignments and the region assignments and uh there's been some groundbreaking efforts to uh, promote more uh competitive balance as it relates to students that are inside of a of an attendance zone or school district versus those who are out what are your thoughts on the most recent developments at the reclassification level of the ghsa
1: um we were we were real concerned about it um uh, before the actual results came out um because we're uh, in an area where we have a lot of um, employees' children um, who may live outside of our zone, but uh, but come to Union Grove High School, so we, you know, we were impacted by that multiplier. Um, fortunately, uh, we stayed in five A. Uh, we didn't move up to the to the next classification. Um, but uh, you know, when it comes to the GHSA, you hear a lot of. I think the. When you hear a lot of chatter about the GHSA, you hear the folks that are that are complaining, and and you know I I just like to shout out to the GHSA that that they do a phenomenal job. They, their job is to organize the uh, the sporting events for for every high school in the state of Georgia, and and you know sometimes they're going to do things that people don't agree with, but but uh, you know my opinion is they're doing the best job that they can do. Um, with the uh with the resources that they have um and and making it fair for everybody I, i would go out and say that that's virtually impossible um you know we we just finished our football season seven and three um which is the best season we've had in about five or six years and didn't make the playoffs um so we were in a very tough football region um, and, and then you look at other regions. You know, certainly not to call anybody out, but they're are regions where you know football teams won two games, and they made you know they made the playoffs because there might be only five teams in that region. So competitive balance is a is a very important thing. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think GHSA does a great job with uh, what they have to work with. Um, they listen to appeals um, if you know schools aren't happy with the with the results. Um, so you know, I, I think they do things as, as fairly as they possibly can.
0: Okay, let's shift gears all the way to the master schedule topic. What schedule of classes uh, does your school use? Are you on a seven period day or a block schedule?
1: We're on seven period.
0: Okay. Um, have I mean, it's always been seven periods since you've been there at Union Grove, or
1: yes, sir. It's it's always been seven periods, and and the the thing that's unusual about Henry County is. We've got 10 high schools and, and some of us are on seven periods, some of us are on block. So I think six high schools are on seven periods and four are on block, uh, which is fine. Um, the only complication that, that can be challenging for us is if we have a student that's transferring from a block school to a seven period school and, and we've got to really figure out that schedule so it serves the, the needs of the student, the best interest of the student. Uh, and sometimes that can be challenging when you've got a, a student that's coming to you uh, this time of year uh, and they've really only had two academic classes since they're on a block schedule and we've got to fit, you know, uh, four academics in their, in their schedule. Uh, but our counselors do a great job working with that um, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, that we have to work with here, here in Henry County.
0: Have you worked in a high school that, um, where you were on a block schedule? I have not. No, I've always been in a in a standard schedule school. Okay, um, that that's pretty unique. That Henry County uh, has that split. A lot of times you'll see systems, um, you know, go one way or the other and make all their schools do one way or the mm-hmm. other. So uh, it's good to see a little bit of flexibility there, uh, where the high schools can uh, choose the format. But I can also see that if there's some. Uh, transient students between the high school the 10 high schools there in henry county you are going to run into some problems trying to fill well, a schedule and, and
1: one of the things i, I love about henry county is, is you know they they allow a good bit of school autonomy um which which i think is a good thing um, when you know you're, you're making decisions best, based on the best interests of your students and your student population and your community it might not be the same as you know a, a, a school down the road uh, so I like that Henry County gives us a, a little autonomy to make decisions like that. Um, but uh, you know, I could certainly see it the other way as well. You know, uh, all of the uh, all the schools in the county having the same type schedule. So um, you know, I'd say both ways present presents its challenges.
0: Well, let's talk about how you build your master schedule. You know, how do you conduct? Registration and do you develop the master schedule from the ground up every year or do you have a framework that you work from every year? You know, what is it that your counselors and, and guidance department and, and even your Administration do right there when they start building the master schedule for seven periods each year
1: So the the first thing we do with with master schedules is, is registration We do registration before we do anything with the master schedule and, and the way we do that is is we have parent nights so parents could come in uh, and sit down with either a counselor or a uh, teacher advisor. Uh, we have a group of teachers who are trained at, as advisors. And, and they sit down and go over the student's transcript, um, you know, what classes the student wants to take, and and uh, uh, that advisor helps them through that schedule. Um, we have uh, two nights for each grade level. Uh, we actually start that in January um, to, to actually build... Um, Uh, the uh, the registration process Uh, and then from there once we get all of our course requests in uh, we build our schedule our master schedule from scratch every year Um, simply because we want to build it based on uh, the request and the needs of the of the students that we have because from year to year that might be different Uh, now a lot of a lot of things are going to be similar um, but uh, but we start from the ground up every year
0: okay um, how about dual enrollment? How does dual enrol- enrollment fit in, at Union Grove High School? Do you have some local higher ed institutions that y'all predominantly use, and h- how well does that mesh up with a seven-period day?
1: Um, it, it works pretty well. It's, it's growing. Um, we've got uh, probably about 150 kids in dual enrollment classes this year. Um, And and we have multiple options um, for for those students that want to participate in dual enrollment. Um, uh, I guess the first option would be they can take um, college classes on on the college campus. Um, uh, And and really any college within driving distance, but the two um, colleges that that we work the most uh, closely with are Clayton State and uh, Gordon College down in Barnesville. So we have students that that take classes there, and and you know some most of them that do it will take classes in the morning uh, on the campus, and then they'll come, they'll transition uh, during lunch time, and they'll come take uh, their high school classes in the afternoon. Uh, We also have a college and career academy here in Henry County. Uh, Very fortunate to have a have a great college and career academy. The Academy for Advanced Studies is is what we call it, Um, and there are certain college classes that are offered uh, offered there. Um, so, students can, can take classes there in the morning or afternoon and transition back and we actually offer transportation bus service to and from uh, the academy um, for, for students who, that wish to do that. And uh, I guess the last method is, uh, is online classes. If, if students want to take a college class online, they can certainly do that. They can work from home or we actually have a full-time online facilitator uh, here at school uh, which we've uh, implemented in the last few years simply because there's so many students that are that are now taking online classes uh, So we have a full-time teacher where all they do is facilitate online classes uh, in one of our computer labs
0: Speaking of full-time teacher facilitating that do you have a full-time Counselor that's dedicated to dual enrollment or do y'all just kind of spread the love amongst all your counselors?
1: No, we spread the love. Our our counselors are are divided up by alphabet, so they all have a little bit of expertise in in dual enrollment.
0: Okay. Um, How much input um, do you receive on who teaches what? Is it totally administration, or do you all leverage some of your instructional leaders maybe in the departments or department heads or lead teachers? How do you all go about deciding who teaches what and what the caseload is going to look like every year?
1: So we actually allow our um, department chairs uh, for each department to, you know, we give them uh, the course request, the the number of sections for each class, and and ask them to put together a a master schedule. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, administrators help, you know, with that if they have any questions, but. I think it's important to to leverage leadership in your building uh, and, and not just sit in the office and say this is this is who's going to teach what because those teachers are you know in the trenches every day they're working together, they're planning together collaboratively, they know strengths and weaknesses of of the members of their department um, so they put together what they would like to see um, you know of course when you're when you're building the master schedule, there may be some tweaks here and there. Uh, but we do get a lot of input from our, our teacher leaders in the building as to who teaches what.
0: Okay, and, and finally in this topic, can you kind of talk about how at Union Grove you and your admin team kind of eye maximum funding whenever you're building a master schedule? I mean, how often do you let that enter the equation or do you let it enter the equation at all or does it does it rule the day? How, how, do, you, how do you balance, you know, what's – what's best for the teachers or what's best for the kids, while also at the same time maximizing the funding that you can get through FTE?
1: <laughs> That's an interesting question um, because it, it is a fine balance um, between um, using your course request and, and, and doing what's best for your kids and, and balancing the, uh, the funding element of it. Um, I, I will say that the, the county – uh, Henry County really um, encourages us to, to make sure that our, that our funding is, is maximized. So uh, one way that we, we really focus in on that is, is those classes that, um, the, that we talk about that uh, may be singletons um, that, that uh, you know, may get some extra funding, the special education classes, some of the AP classes, some of the upper level classes. Um, that you know you may only offer one of those per day those are the ones that we kind of put in the master schedule first to make sure that we get those classes right to make sure that we get those um, those classes filled correctly and then um, it, you fill in around those um, and, and I have found and and you know in my experience and in, uh learning from other principals and and you know county office administrators that that's one way to um, ensure that you're going to get um, the the maximum funding uh, through your master schedule. Because if you if you you know build a whole master schedule first, and then if you have to plug in a class here and there, it's a lot more difficult to move things around than if you take those high leverage courses and 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 schedule those first and, and put everything else around.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue into special education because oftentimes you have to build a lot of the special education coursework into the master schedule because they do earn so much FTE. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me this, um, at Union Grove, what type of portal do you all use for managing your IEP, or do you use one at all?
1: We do, and and uh, glad that you asked that. It's actually a transition year for us. Um, so we have traditionally used Infinite Campus, um, which, which I think a lot of folks use uh, for their uh, IEP process. So we are in the pilot year. We are the pilot school for Henry County for a new program called Go IEP. Um, so our special education teachers and our administrator that's, that's responsible for special ed um, went through training over the summer and have gone through training throughout the year to, to be able to use this new program uh, called GO IEP. Um, so as, actually right now we have transitioned all of our IEPs over from Infinite Campus to GO IEP. Um, the, the reason for the change um, is because the, the, the GO IEP has a, a lot more detail in the IEP process than Infinite Campus does, so um, it, it it helps with compliance. Um, it's it's a program where when you're entering goals, um, when you're entering um, information into that IEP, you can't move on to the next pro- to the next page or to the next process until that that process is complete. It's got a it's got a function in it that makes sure that everything is filled out before you move on. So that way you're not Filling out an IEP and and go into an IEP meeting and things are incomplete or incorrect because it it has a feature in it that makes you go back and double check every every one of the areas. Um, that's really one of the the big differences um, that I've noticed with between Go IEP and Infinite Campus. So um, we think it's going to work out really well. Our teachers seem to like it. They say it's more user friendly. Um, so um, that's uh, the the process we're going through right now with with IEPs.
0: Okay, and how how do you manage the renewal process? Since you're in a, a, a new portal now, go IEP. Um, is do you do IEP renewal processes throughout the entire academic year, and maybe even into the summer, or do you reserve them for a specific time frame in the school, like maybe only spring IEPs or fall IEPs? How do you do that at Union Grove?
1: No, we we manage them um, throughout the year, and uh, uh, one thing one one thing that we do that. Uh, really helps us with that is, is we have what, what we call instructional focus. Um, and it's kind of an advisement time that's built into the schedule um, every day and it's it's during lunch. So about 90, 90% of our students have an, an IF or an advisement period um, built into their schedule. So our students with an IEP, their uh, IF period is actually with their case manager. So they see their case manager every single day um, during that period. So uh, that's the time that, that that case manager can check on goals with that student and and make sure that that student is is getting what they what they need. and and if that student needs um, some accommodations for a test, they can they can make sure that that's taken care of during that period. And that's also the period where they can, you know, Ensure that the the IP is up to date. Ensure that if if we need to schedule a meeting, we're getting that meeting scheduled. Um, so that's one thing that we've done over the past couple of years that's really helped us out with the with the compliance. Um, and, and our teachers love it. Um, you know, they're not running around trying to collect data on their students. They are, you know, seeing those kids every single day, uh, and, and that's been a great thing for us. And and I, I look forward to some some great results from our uh from our special ed students over the next couple of years
0: they're in henry county um do y'all have a high school that's dedicated to housing specific disabilities there and if so is that your school
1: um, we do we our programs are um spread out throughout the county there's not a a specific program that goes with a specific uh high school it's, it's really based on you know where students live and and uh, trying to get them into the closest school um, to where they live. So we have, uh, we have several units here. Um, uh, we have an orthopedically uh, impaired, an OI unit. Um, we have, in uh, 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 my way, intellectually disabled, an MID unit, and, and we actually have two um, autism units here
0: throughout henry county not just at your school or are you saying that's that's at union grove
1: that's what we have here at union grove oh, okay. but we're not the only ones that that house those units you know there's there's other schools that do too but those are the programs that we have
0: okay well speaking of which how do you provide the inclusion to the school culture for those types of students what are some things that y'all do there at union grove to uh to make sure that they're assimilated into the uh student body as as much as you can
1: I tell you what our, our special education program is 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 outstanding and, and a huge part of our school culture um, our students in those units are, are out in the building um, throughout the day uh, the the first first part of the day every day um, our special education students run a coffee shop um, so they're out um, selling coffee they you know they're all assigned jobs and of course the, the teachers and pair pros are, are helping with that but uh, um, and, and that's one thing that, that they absolutely love to do. That's their job. Um, they're able to interact with, uh, with all the students throughout the building. Um, and, and it's just, it's an, it's an awesome thing to, to see the interaction of those students and, and, um, uh, with the general education students. Um, we also have, have pair pros. So, um, that, that are able to go with them, um, to, uh, Elective classes to to PE to art class to, to chorus. Um, uh, we have one student uh, in inclusion classes that uh, they participates in the band, uh, and, and he plays in the band on Friday nights. And uh, you know the um, he really enjoys that, and and get getting able to uh, to get out and participate in extracurricular activities is um, is another way that uh, they're able to uh, be part of the school culture. Um, special olympics at uh at union grove high school is is huge um we you know special olympics are almost like having a having a football game when when we have events here at school we have kids come we have the community come out and support and um it's just really a great way to make sure that everybody uh in our building is is involved in our school
0: culture okay let's shift gears and go to our final topic for today and that's for aspiring leaders um what advice would you give a teacher who may be considering a move into educational leadership?
1: I, I would uh, I would encourage teachers and and, and have I- encourage teachers to um, take advantage of leadership opportunities. There's so much opportunity for a teacher to to be a leader inside a building. Um, so if if a teacher were to come to me and say I'm really thinking about um, moving into an assistant principal position or, or some type of leadership position I'll ask them so so what leadership have you shown uh, here in the building um, and 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 I will I'm happy to provide those opportunities because there's always opportunities for, for leadership in a, in a building I um, you know had a teacher come and, and ask me you know um, what's something I'm looking at, at moving into leadership um, what's something that that I can do to help that so um, it was. We were looking for some professional learning on uh, culture proficiency um, uh, for the building. So I said, you know what, this is something w- that we're looking for. This is something I want to um, implement in the building. So she went out, she did her research, she got a presentation together, and she did a knockout job uh, presenting to our faculty on culture proficiency. So good, in fact, um, that uh, other principals around the district heard about it, so she went to other principals, I mean, other schools, uh, and presented to their faculties. Um, and, and, you know, I, I kind of hesitated because it wasn't long after uh, that she was not in my building anymore. She had gotten a leadership position. So I was really proud of her, but uh, I think it's really important if you have aspirations to be a leader to take advantage of those opportunities when they come along.
0: All right, and let's, let's almost do the same thing with assistant principal to principal. You know there's a distinct difference between those two roles. So what advice would you give to an AP who may be considering the move into the principal's office?
1: Um, I think moving to the principal role is, is a little different uh, than moving to the uh, assistant principal role. Um, I think my main advice uh, for an assistant principal was to, would be to get out of your comfort zone. Um, because so many times assistant principals can get comfortable with doing discipline or get comfortable with um, special education or whatever their uh, main focus is as an assistant principal, they get really good at that and and that's all that they do. Um, I I think that can be detrimental um, when you're looking at moving to the principal position um and, and i'll talk a little bit about my own experience i um was very fortunate uh when i was assistant principal at spalding high school um my principal is Dale jeffcoat uh who, who i believe was one of the greatest principals i've ever known he was uh, he he was a great man and, and certainly a great leader um at spalding high school and he uh, did not let me just uh do one thing uh he had me doing everything across the school so you know uh, I did operations I was in charge of athletics I did discipline of course uh and then he moved me into uh, uh testing uh, I was in charge of testing for a few years and uh and instructional um so I, I had you know run the gamut uh, of responsibilities as an assistant principal which I think really prepared me um uh, to be an effective principal and and You know so my advice to to ap's wanting to move into the principal position is is get out of your comfort zone and make sure that you have some experience with all of the of the different areas or different aspects of running a high school
0: now you were um an assistant principal in the same school building i want to say spalding high as you were a teacher can you kind of talk about that transition a little bit was it difficult was it easy was it kind of hard from you know, being a part of the teaching. Well, faculty. actually, I,
1: I had some time in between there because I went. My first assistant principal position was at a middle school, um, so I, I actually spent five years in a, as a middle school assistant principal. Gotcha. So when I, when I went back to Spalding, it was it wasn't like I went straight from being a teacher to to an administrator. So um, uh, there was a little buffer zone in there, um, but uh, you know, I did know a lot of the teachers, and and you know, had uh, was was colleagues with them uh, previously but it was a it was a really smooth transition it uh, you know um, it, it wasn't I, I can certainly see how and and I've actually hired an assistant principal from inside the building um, to where y- you really have to establish that um, you're you're not really colleagues anymore while we we're, we're all working together we're all working uh, the same goal moving from a teacher position to an assistant principal position uh, really can present a challenge and it, it really is um, something that you have to have to focus on um, in being um, more of a leader in a leadership position as, as opposed to a teaching position
0: the reason I ask that question is you know in my own leadership um, I did that exact same thing I went from being a part of the teaching faculty at the school I was at and uh, went went into administration and you know there were a lot of little jokes and stuff about how I'd gone to the dark side and whatnot but I think a lot of people had seen me kind of as a as a as a leader on the faculty even as a teacher but then when you actually get into that role and you have to actually be an administrator to someone who you may have taught right next to or been in the same department with or even ate lunch with every day and sometimes you had to you know be that administrator that made decisions that didn't always make them happy and so I think it's important for our podcast listeners who are aspiring leaders to kind of hear that there's nothing wrong with being promoted in the same school in which you taught but just understand that uh, it can be a little more difficult with you establishing your administrative identity there in that school since you've always held a teaching identity there I guess so
1: it's certainly doable Uh, it's certainly doable actually three of my um four assistant principals taught in this building um so and and i've hired two of them uh one of them was here when when i came but uh, uh and they're outstanding leaders they were outstanding teachers and, and and had a great transition uh into the into the assistant principal role so it certainly can be done um but uh, it does present its challenges
0: okay so other than any of your graduate level work did you Participate in any leadership development programs, maybe either either through uh, GALE or through GSSP or through um, maybe a local RISA or anything, or did you just kind of get on the job training in the districts that you were working in?
1: So I did, uh, I did all of those that you mentioned, actually. Um, I, I uh, as an assistant principal, I uh, was a member of GALE, I was a member of GASSP, and, and uh, uh, was able to uh, attend several conferences um, and um, uh, some uh, some aspiring leader uh, type sessions, and uh, was actually able to. Uh, you know, I think it's important to to, to be part of those organizations um, for the professional learning, but also uh, for the networking uh, and, and being able to talk to folks. Because some of the best professional learning that you can have uh, is talking to talking to people in in similar positions and, and learning. Uh, learning from them um, and, and being able to attend uh, conferences and workshops gives you that opportunity to to be in a room full of folks who, who do similar work and being able to learn from them. Um, on top of those opportunities that, that I had through Gale and GASSP, uh, uh, I went through uh, a, a cohort of, uh, I believe it was called rising stars uh, back then at uh, at Griffin Risa uh and, and they uh, provided classes for for aspiring leaders to um, you know give them opportunities give them leadership opportunities and, and um, provide professional learning uh that was relevant to the job uh and additionally get to get to meet folks from uh, from around your Risa region and and uh, learn from different uh different folks in that setting as well um, so had really great opportunities for for leadership development outside of uh, the school systems uh, through those through those organizations.
0: And I think you've uh, recently joined us on the GASSP board of directors as uh, as a district director. in, is it District D, I believe, isn't it? District G. District G. I'm sorry, for District G. So for all of those schools in District G, Mr. Ryan Meeks here at Union Grove High School is your district director for GASSP. And he has already talked to us a lot about the importance of being in a state association and how valuable it can be. So, well, uh, that will end our time here today. So once again, thank you for those listening today to episode 10 of our first season here on the Georgia High School Principals podcast, which is a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and for all educators in Georgia. Again, I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I want to thank Mr. Ryan Meeks, principal of Union Grove High School as today's guest so thank you Mr. Meeks for taking time out of your busy schedule today.
1: Thank you Jim I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and uh, just want to say that that I have enjoyed the podcast I think it's a great thing to uh, to be able to listen in my truck as I'm driving home listen to other high school principals around the state and and learn from them uh, in in order to to be a more effective principal.
0: Well I appreciate you listening and, and we've heard from several other principals who may have a, a commute into their um, their school buildings every day is that's probably one of the most popular ways to listen to the podcast is to be able to run it through your your vehicle there and uh, while you're already going to be sitting in traffic or traveling, it's uh, it's always good to listen and hear from other high school principals. Reminder to, to listeners today that uh, Ryan spoke to us about athletics, master schedule, special education, and of course, aspiring leaders. So as always, podcast Podcast listeners, please feel free to share this podcast on all platforms of social media. And we look forward to recording future podcasts with other principals in our great state. So for now, we're signing off for episode 10. Thanks for listening.